Welcome to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation Podcast. In this episode, we answer our students' questions and share information about yoga therapy and meditation with the intention of creating a new paradigm in wellness. Anatomy, a little overview of anatomy and um, what we need to think about and set ourselves up for our uh, first body, the food body, and how we think about physical issues. So there's quite a bit of anatomy that one could know, as we all know, a huge amount. And it all could be possibly uh, useful given the right circumstances. On the other hand, too much uh, non-applicable knowledge really clouds the mind. It creates imbalances and and leads to really poor clinical results. So in my opinion, it's best to have a simple working model uh, of anatomy and then add more knowledge into that basic system. After all, as a yoga therapist, it's much more important that we keep our holistic outlook intact. And originally, yoga therapy done, was done with breath and movement and very little muscular anatomy, if any. It was more thinking about the spine and the directions the spine moved in conjunction with the breath. So we are going to add to that, which is great. You know, and Western thinking is great because we can be more specific if we need to, but not so much that it clouds our judgment. And we're going to stay focused, right, on the healing that comes from balancing from when the entire system uh, becomes balanced. In terms of physical pain, we should be looking to help our clients um, work towards pain-free range of motion, which you'll often see referred to as ROM if you're new to this, R-O-M range of motion um, that basically means a person can can do normal what would normal average human movements with little or no uh, discomfort so for instance you know this would be normal range of motion right for somebody drawing their arm back and if someone could only get to here and they were in pain that would not be normal range of motion I want to talk about in a broad way what's going on in general when we move. Um, For many of you, this might be a review, and that's fine. If not, uh, it's good to sort of really take this in if it's not and understand these basic points. So muscles move our skeleton uh, by by contracting, right, in some way. So, you know, I'm contracting my bicep right now. So my bicep is drawing, right, this bone, (laughs) <laughs> this way so a muscle has to contract and and the muscles that are contracting are are referred to often as protagonist protagonists or main actors right the, the main muscles that are moving and they usually not always but almost always work in groups it's pretty rare that a muscle is really totally isolated in human movement there's usually a main actor or two and then muscles that play um so supporting role to that. So there's often many muscles all working you know, in synchronicity. Um, 
On the other side are muscles that stretch, you know, are doing the opposite of the movement, are being stretched by the movement, uh, and these are called antagonists. You know, for example, again, if you, if you engage your bicep, right, and you bring your fist to your shoulder, your triceps here on the other side of your arm are stretching. And what's really interesting about this is, is there are chemicals sent to your triceps every time your biceps contracts, and those chemicals tell it and help it elongate. So they're working together. It's not a passive system. And it's also not just about muscles. All sorts of things are going on chemically in your body. That's why, uh, for instance, a, a good instruction in uh, Uttanasana, you know, standing forward bend, right, might be to engage your quadriceps, the fronts of your thighs. If you engage the fronts of your thighs, it'll help the hamstrings get the signal that they need to elongate. So we have protagonist, antagonist, so doing the action, this is stretching, and then there are lots of other little players helping along. So another main point is that even though we generally think about which muscle is contracting and, and which muscle is stretching, a lot of the time the elongating muscle will also be working. So in pain situations, all the participants are working and no matter which way you use them. And since it's hard to isolate a muscle into only stretching and normal movements, it can be confusing. So, you know, if someone has a hurt tricep, it can be painful to do anything where it's a participant. Because right? if I pick up this glass, in fact, you can see me, right? You know, if I, if I do this, you know, this action is your triceps action, you know, it's working. But also if I do the bicep action, the tricep is still working because it's stabilizing, right? It's helping stabilize my arm at the shoulder joint and the elbow, right? So here I am, you know, holding the glass and even I can't really stop using my tricep. And this happens in all, in all sorts of ways. Um, so it's not the protagonist, right? It's not the main actor, but it's still painful. You know? and, and again, the muscles are usually you know, stabilizing the joint, even though if they're not the main actor. So when you ask someone, you know, which motion hurts your shoulder, many times, you know, one way will might hurt more than the other, but you'll hear this hurts and this hurts and this hurts, and that's why, because the muscle is actually working. So it's not as isolated as we'd like. And I'm saying this in the intro so that as we study what muscles do what, which is important, we're also keeping this in mind. Because what we're really going to be concerned with is not anatomy, but how to get somebody out of pain and what anatomy we would want to know in order to do that. So there's another concept that we have to look at which is fascia. The, the good news is fascia's gotten a lot of press <laughs> in the last 10 years. It used to be kind of on the side. Now it's a, a big deal. Um, there's a great book by Tom Myers called Anatomy Trains. He sort of popularized fascial work and body work, you know, with this idea of fascia. So in addition uh, to muscles, there's fascia. And what fascia is, it's connective tissue, and it wraps around the muscles and is all over the body. And it's sort of like a net that holds the body together. And if you look at a cadaver, you will see um, the fascia not only wrapping around the muscle or going below the muscle, but also interweaving with the muscle. And so since it's so intertwined with muscles, the shape of the fascia can dictate 
right, range of motion, again, through the joints. If the fascia is tight, forget the muscles, but this sort of net that covers our whole body, it can be hard uh, to move or easy, depending on how lengthened and shaped it is. So to reshape fascia, it's often necessary to elongate and hydrate the fascia um, across long lines, uh, up and down or across or diagonal across the body. So for example, if the fascia is tight between the heels and the head, right, you can imagine a band running from your heels all the way up to, to here on top of your head and all the way down your back, one could experience restriction and one could, ex could experience that, there's many possibilities, as pain in the lower back. But even though it's pain in the lower back, part of the solution for that back pain might be to stretch the calf muscles and the fascia, right, that's attached to the calf muscles, right, if the calf muscles are really tight. And, and this is one of the reasons why yoga makes people feel so good. Because the asanas in a typical yoga class, right, lengthen and reset this fascial net. You know, we don't simply do calf stretches, right? We do warrior one, for instance, you know, and our foot's back and we're stretching along the back of the leg, right? We're stretching along the back. We're doing a little back bend, stretches the fascia on the front of our body. We're lifting our arms, right? We're, we're doing all these things at once. It's not like we're just going, targeting the calf and stretching the calf. And by sort of lengthening, and, and when you move fascia or interact with fascia, you know, give it input, it, it also hydrates. And that hydration helps it be more elastic and more fluid and less restrictive. So yoga is one of the perfect things to sort of help reset that uh, fascial net. And I really think it's best, you know, when you're getting a general view of it, to think as the muscles and the fascia as a completely interconnected system. One will always affect the other. They do not function independently, really. Because right? really, in the end, you're just a body and everything's connected together. So in our way of working, we, in addition to muscles, we will be thinking fascia as we breathe and move. Right, So there's a lot of breath and movement. Right? We're trying to get people out of pain. And we're thinking about getting that not only the muscles to move, but the, that fascial net to begin to hydrate and reshape itself. Um, and we're encouraging this and moving towards full range of motion or, you know, slowly and also possibly rhythmically. So we'll be doing a lot of working with moving and breathing again. Um, we will also be thinking muscles as we actively engage specific muscle groups to promote strengthening and stretching. Again, in service of working towards this pain-free ROM. So you, you don't really separate them, but you might turn your mind towards muscles or turn your mind towards fascia at different times when working uh, with pain syndromes in the body. And interestingly, this physical work is also tied to the pranic body. So good pranic flow, good energy flow throughout the body promotes strength and flexibility. And strength and flexibility promotes good pranic flow. So, you know, evidence of this is, as you know, like your body being aligned, right, creates a sattvic, a calm-centered state of mind. As the prana flows properly and returns home more easily, you know, this is created. 
So one way to think about that pranic flow is that when that's not happening, the prana gets trapped and often it gets trapped in the joints. So the flow, right, is stopped in the joints when we're muscularly and or fascially constricted. And then when we find our full range of motion, the prana flows freely again, reducing pain and promoting balance. So by working on the body, you are also working on the pranic body. And this idea of restriction causing pain, right? You could think about it as prana, right? Energy moving. Then it can also be tied to uh, nerve pain and dermatomes. Our nerve roots come out of our spine, right? Here are our spine, nerve roots coming out of our spine, and those nerves are responsible for certain areas of the body. So if you look at a dermatome map, you'll see how this works. You can see, for instance, that pain, um, if, if you have nerve pain in your middle finger, it could be attributed to C7. And C7 would be cervical number seven. So that's your seventh cervical vertebrae, look over the spine in a second, you know, coming out of the bottom of your neck, basically, right? So for those of you not familiar with the spine, here's a quick overview. So normally, there's always exceptions to everything. There are 33 vertebrae in humans. There's five that are fused to form the sacrum at the base of your spine. And the others are um, separated by um, intervertebral discs. So basically, you have your vertebrae down your spine. If you picture spine, I've provided a diagram again, right? You have these vertebrae, and then in your sacrum, they're fused. So there you don't move much. Um, so there's seven cervical vertebrae and they're designated C1, cervical one through C7, right? And that starts, you know, closest to your head and moves down. So C1 is the highest vertebrae and then they move down um, your neck. And then you have your thoracic spine and those are the next 12 vertebrae and you'll see thoracic T, so T1 through T12, right? And these are the vertebrae of the, um, the rib cage and the chest, right, in back. And then you have the lumbar um, spine, which is the last five individual vertebrae. L1 is the highest, so it goes to T12, then L1, and then two, three, four, five, right? And that's where it attaches down um, just above the pelvis. And... <clears throat> The number could be increased, right, um, a little bit if you have an additional vertebrae in one re region, which happens, but it's, it's not. It, it's pretty rare. But the reason this information is useful is that sometimes the solution to nerve pain will often be at the spine or somewhere along that nerve, right, where the nerve gets trapped. So you have pain in your middle finger, but... The problem is at C7 at the base of your neck because that's where the nerve right began. So you can do whatever you want to that finger all day long and you'll never solve the pain. And the dermatome map, right, is just a, a basic outline of where these nerves go. And it's, if you look at it, you'll see it's really quite simple. It's not uh, a super complicated thing. You basically have a nerve root like C7. You see it traced down the arm and down to this finger. And if if it was their pinky, it would be a different nerve root, 
right? So we won't always be working with that, but it's something to be aware of since nerve pain is so prevalent and so many people um, seek help, especially for back and neck pain. So this'll give you some clues, right? So someone you have back pain and that back pain, you know, they'll say, oh, it hurts down my leg and you'll be, you can look at this map and go, oh, these two things match up. Your back hurts here and it also hurts along the dermatone or at some place in the dermatone. So that makes sense that you're having some sort of nerve problem. So what should we do about that? The range of motion of joints, the basic muscles that we use around those joints, and then we also have the dermatome map. So those are our pieces of anatomy. And the good news is, is that references are always available. The real advantage to memorizing muscles, right, what muscles do, memorizing dermatones, is that you're able to work more quickly so you don't have to look it up. However, there's nothing wrong with looking things up and referencing charts to refresh your anatomy. In fact, I encourage it. So you should never be afraid to do this with clients. I'm always really heartened you know, when I go to a doctor and they say, hold on, I need to look something up. It happened to me recently, actually. And, um, makes me happy because I know it's impossible, right, to hold everything in your mind. So don't feel like you have to know all of this, you know, by memory forever. And you only really need to know what you need to know. For those of you who are more interested in anatomy, I will say this. I've been working for quite a while now. I have seen hundreds and hundreds of clients in this capacity. And I'll say that the amount of anatomical knowledge I need for 95% of physical pain cases is super basic, really basic. And, the, and there's two reasons for this. One is because that's just generally the truth, right? Like people move in certain ways and no matter how deep you go into their anatomy, right? They might not be able to or probably can't feel that super deep anatomy. So. When you're trying to get people to do things to help themselves, it's pretty basic movements. You're not gonna be doing these ultra complex movements to help people because they, they usually don't work. Um, usually most of our remedies are based around moving and breathing to sort of encourage range of motion and strengthening muscle groups a lot, right? Because weak muscles often uh, contribute to pain and then also knowing what to stretch and how. So. You know, when you stretch, you stretch fascia, you stretch, you know, muscle groups. When you strengthen, right, you strengthen muscle groups. When you do motions to strengthen something, you rarely um, strengthen one thing. So it's more important to understand the general groups and what's going on there. Um, the other thing to remember is, is that you can always add more anatomy in. You can always look up more anatomy. You can always take more and more um, specialized training. You know, myself, I, I got interested in things and became a medical massage therapist and got way deeper into anatomy. Um, and now that I'm on the other side, I realized that thinking fascially, right, thinking about the whole body as one system and focusing on um, major muscle groups and how they work is the most important thing. It really is the most important thing. And often, as yoga therapists, we're sort of kind of at the edge of the physical pain world. So someone goes to the doctor, maybe they go to a PT, maybe they go to a massage therapist. It'll be pretty often that you will get them last. 
because they're kind of desperate. They're like, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this. And what I found over and over again is that the fix is often, not always, but it's often fairly basic. It just needs to be thought of in a more holistic way than the other practitioners had thought about it. So it's not that the PT didn't do their job or their doctor didn't do their job. They're just trained in a different way to think about these things. And when you start thinking about the whole body and all the things that are weak, instead of just someone with back pain, for instance, just looking at their back, maybe their hamstrings are weak, maybe their glutes are really weak, maybe their abdominal muscles are really weak, right? There's all sorts of possibilities. Maybe their range of motion in their shoulders is so limited that when they do certain things, they do kind of uh, compensating movements with their back, right? So if you think more holistically, a lot of times your clinical results are gonna be way better than these other practitioners. And it's simply because you're, you have a different paradigm. Thanks for listening to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a positive review, and sharing it with friends. For more information about our yoga therapy and meditation trainings and programs, visit breathingdeeply.com.